What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Oscar Lang over Zoom video. Oscar was born and raised in London and talks about how he got into music. His mom was a singer and his dad was a drummer. His dad was actually in a pretty famous band in the UK, uh, but quit right before the band blew up. So that was kind of an interesting story. Oscar started off on piano at a very early age and guitar as well. Wasn't a huge fan of the lessons once he first kind of learned the basics of the instruments. He started to write his own songs. He talked about joining a songwriting club when he was 11 years old. He talks about how he met Baba Doobie and actually recorded and produced the song Coffee. That was the first song they did together. He went to an all-boys Catholic school, and she went to the all-girls Catholic school. Oscar talks about the success of the first song he released called She Likes Another Boy. We hear about how and when he changed his name from Pig, that was his original artist project, to just his name, Oscar Lang. He talks about signing with Dirty Hit. We hear about all the songs and I think two EPs and an album that he wrote over the course of the pandemic. And then we dive into his brand new album, which is called Look Now. He talks about directing his very first music video. And we hear about how therapeutic the process was of writing and releasing this new album, Look Now. You can watch the interview with Oscar on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and rate and review the podcast. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Oscar Lang. Hey, what's up, Oscar? How are you? Hello, what's happening? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about the, the new album. Yes. Yes, it is about my journey. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, um, first off, talk to me. Were you, born and uh, were you born and raised in London? Is that what I read? Yes, I've been. Uh, I'm a Londoner born and bred, so like... <laughs> Yeah, I've been. I've lived here my whole life. I've actually just moved over to the other side of London now, which is sort of completely different. Um, and there's so much of this city that I've still yet to see. Oh, really? Why do you? In different what way? Just completely I, it's just completely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was living in a very residential area before, um, and now you know, I live in East London, which is full of just all sorts of different cultures and restaurants, and and I don't know. It's just a lot more exciting here than it was where I was before. Oh, awesome. Um, and what was it like growing up on the other side of London? It was good. I mean, you're still part of the city, so you can get anywhere you want, really. But, you know, just to be based around that area, it was it was nice. It meant that I, you know, I met a lot of important people that, you know, influenced my career over there. But I'm so much happier being over East, in East London. It just feels like, I don't know, there's something happening here and there's nothing happening over there. I <laughs> got it for sure. Yeah. Um, what about music? Do you come from a creative household, musical household at all? So I came, yeah, both of my parents were, were pretty musical. My dad uh, was a drummer and used to play in a band called the House Martins, 
um, which went on to become wildly famous in the UK after he left the band. Oh, which we really? always tease him about. Um, and then my mom used to sort of sing around the house. I think she'd sort of had that sort of like a uh, young dream to be a singer and she recorded one song. And so we've got that cassette somewhere of her song on it. Um, but yeah, both the parents are musicians. I think it somehow wiggled its way through that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So dad was a drummer. I just looked up the band. Yeah. He's uh, credited there on the, on the wiki. Uh, was he playing in the band when you were born or not? Not anymore. No, no, no. This oh, okay. was way long earlier. before my time. Yeah. He okay. now writes for TV. Um, but uh, music yeah. or TV? No, oh, no, no, no. He writes scripts and stuff. He writes scripts and stuff. He went into the acting world and that's why he left the band. Um, oh. And it pretty much, yeah, a year after he left or something, they sort of became huge. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you said your mom recorded a song as well? Yeah, I've got it somewhere. It's called M- Move Over. I think it's weirdly, I think it's written by someone else because I ended up hearing it a few years later recorded by somebody completely different. So I don't know if it's a cover or or what the deal was, but we have this one cassette of uh, my mum, uh, you know, doing a recording. Wow. Uh, did your dad like influence you? Did he get you into drums or like how did you start in music? I think, yeah, probably he did. He just was into music. So he also played a little bit of guitar. He sort of played basic E chords. And a lot of the time after school, I would go into his office and he'd whip out the guitar and we'd have a little strum along and a sing. Um, yeah, I think it kind of all slipped its way through. It, you know, I have a love for ballads and and old sort of piano music. And I think my dad definitely got me into that. We had this Guilty Pleasures CD that was just uh, full of absolute hits. Um, and uh, that kind of really influenced my music taste from an early age. I think as well, I started to learn playing drums because of my dad. Um, I don't know. I've always liked the drums and wish I was a lot better at them than I am. <laughs> Did you start off on guitar? Was that the first instrument or did you play piano? I started on piano. I started okay. on piano, uh, and I've kind of had the same thing with all the instruments that I play in that I'm not so good at taking music lessons. I'm not so good at being disciplined at doing things like that so a lot the a lot of the time i would sort of do a month of you know lessons and then once i learned the basic basics i'd teach myself and you know at the time i didn't want to play mozart i just wanted to play katie perry or whatever was on the ch- the <laughs> charts at you know when i was 10 um so yeah i kind of sacked off all the lessons for all the instruments i learned right on yeah i've, I've heard that quite a bit about uh, learning piano you know they want you to learn the, per- the proper way to play and then it's like reading music and not only that but songs you probably aren't really hip to want to learn right it's like i'd rather play this is on the radio instead of some beethoven song or whatever yeah i think the irony is now is that i'd rather be able to play beethoven than something i've heard on the chart so <laughs> sure, now i right? wish i had now i wish i'd done that you know at the start but i'll get there i'll teach myself yeah because if you could play the beethoven i'm it'd probably pretty be pretty easy to uh, learn a Katy Perry song, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, also, <laughs> just my music taste has changed. I'd be much more into classical music nowadays than I would be Katy Perry. Uh, uh. That's funny. Uh, what about songwriting or writing your own songs? It sounds like you didn't do the lessons because you wanted to figure it out yourself, but uh, was it something that you were naturally good at or like when did you start trying to write your own songs? Yeah, I think it was kind of like, it was kind of a mixture of, you know, when I stopped doing the lessons, then I was no longer trying to learn other songs. You know, it was like I was just playing. And through that, you kind of 
write things and you know as you go because you accidentally you know make a little thing you're like oh that sounds nice and then I think you know how kind of songwriting started for me was um I started on you know when you press the the, the button on the keyboard and then it makes a song out of whatever key you're pressing I oh, started sure. doing that when I was sort of like eight and like I used to get a lot of fun out doing that and then got hugely into YouTube and started doing covers and then you know that kind of led uh, you know weaved its way into songwriting and then i started a songwriting club when i was 11 or 12 um, wow before yeah. the songwriting club though would you post onto youtube or you were just watching people play and learning yeah i would post onto youtube but like little covers and stuff okay um i mean i still never posted the songs i wrote in that club on youtube i mean i think they're somewhere out there but please no, like just please don't find them they're, they're horrific <laughs> um but yeah, you know, I think that songwriting club was the first time that I'd sat down and, you know, written a verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And they weren't great, but, you know, it's the first time I had structure to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You did you you said you started the the club or you joined it or I mean, no, no, I mean? joined it. I, oh, okay. I started uh, that was what that's how I started writing music. Oh, got it. Um, got it. Got it. Joining the club. Uh, and it was the yeah the first I think my dad knew that I was pretty like quite a lot into music and then you know suggested this club and I've kind of fell in love with it ever since. He's probably pretty stoked at uh, your success, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think he thinks he did well there. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I left that band, but look at my son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. There's a, the amount of times he used to ask me, uh, "Do you need a drummer?" Or you know. Have you ever brought him out or in. played with him? No, because he says oh. that. And then actually, if I tried to get him to do it, I think he'd be too shy to do it. He hasn't, you know, he's sort of got, he's, the vibe is he's got a drum kit in the garage, you know. It's like he's, he has his little fun, but he's, I don't think he's doing it properly anymore. <laughs> That's cool, though. Um, so you started, you joined the songwriting uh, club. Were you one of the youngest people there if you're 11? Or were there other people your age? No, because it was all designed for other, you know, other kids. It was a kids songwriting class. It wasn't oh. like a proper, like a course or anything. It was like a little after school club. And I think, you know, most of the kids that were going there were sort of going there because they liked music and, mm -hmm. you know, wrote a little song. But I, there was something about it for me that I connected with and was like, oh, I, I could do a lot more of this. Um, and then just kind of continued. I did that club for quite a few years, a sort of on and off. I think my only thing, again, with that is it limited me because they would often give us briefs. They'd go, oh, I want you to write a song in this, in a country uh, style, you know. Okay. So I kind of stopped it in the end because, again, it was kind of limiting what I was doing. I didn't, I, I don't necessarily want to do what everyone tells me to do all the time. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when somebody tells me to write a country song, then I just really don't want to write a country song. Uh -huh. So, and it's the same with when somebody tells me to play Mozart, you know, I don't want to do it. Right. So that's why I kind of left that and then just kept, kept doing it at home. Okay. And you had, well, the first few albums, at least on your Spotify, you originally put out under a different name, right? And then you switched your project. Mm -hmm. um, so with that first, you know, the first couple albums that you did or releases that you did, uh, were you playing around uh, London or like how did that kind of come about and how old were you at that point? It, I think it was just a series of very lucky events that happened. Um, I I was in secondary school 
and was I had been doing music, doing little YouTube covers again for years, writing little songs here and there. And then I think at 17, I, 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 I sort of went, right, I want to start like an artist project and started Pig, which was, my, you know, my former name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just like actually trying to write songs and then release them. And I somehow got caught up in this wave of, I was really lucky in that the company, there's a company out there called Lander who do mastering things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just sent an email out being like, we've just released a streaming service upload feature. And it was one of the first sort of websites to, to you know, enable an average average person to do that. Before it was like, in order to get on Spotify, you needed a label, you know, you couldn't do yeah. it yourself. Or like SoundCloud um, even, was it, it was before that? Uh, it wasn't before SoundCloud. SoundCloud was kicking about. I, I okay. posted songs on SoundCloud, but you know, there's a level of like, you want to be on Spotify because that's right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Um, Cause SoundCloud was like, Oh, you've got to go find them on SoundCloud. You know, it's sure. kind of different thing. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I got this email and it started releasing and weirdly got caught in this wave of things. You know, we were sort of, I was one of the f- sort of few artists that just started self-releasing at the start of when that was happening. And um, I was very lucky in that through mutual friends, I met, um b who now goes as b badooby mm-hmm. um and we started working on music together because she was sort of like i've got these little songs that i like and i was like well i know how to press record so come around to mine and then <laughs> you know i ended up humming on the tracks and then you know a couple of tracks later i had some piano and then somehow wished up into you know kind of producing and releasing her songs um so we kind of got caught in this little wave of of self-release artists and i you know i said to be i was like well i've got this thing that you can release songs through and i pay a yearly fee for it so if you want to release your songs through that i'll do it and you know so i was there when we sort of went oh what do you want your name to be and she went why don't we go Bieber doobie and it was like oh okay that's kooky and then you know that's crazy so i just really lucky really that i got you know through mutual friends stumbled into b who's a fantastic songwriter and she Literally was just, you know, a girl and an acoustic guitar and, she, you know, she's made her most popular song from that, you know, that session we did, that first one we did together. Yeah, because you, you work, you produce that, right? I mean, you both work together on coffee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, so that was, wild. that was, um, that was one of the first few times we met and it was, uh, I'd heard this, her play the song somehow, I think on an Instagram live or something. And uh, she came around, I was like, oh, you should you know, record that song you did from the Instagram thing. And that was coffee. And wow. that was one of the first times we met and took 45 minutes. I added some humming at the end and then, you know, we got a hit. <laughs> well, you have quite a few hits. I mean, even if looking, if you go all the way down to like, you know, she likes another boy, that song nearly has a hundred million on Spotify alone. I mean, were so you were also releasing songs like you were producing with her and then releasing your own songs kind of simultaneously? Yeah, that's how that's how um, I got in contact with B because B had actually found my music through a mutual friend and, and had liked it. And so messaged me and was like, oh, no way. You, you know, you go to this. We sort of went to brother and sister schools. We both went to these Catholic schools and she went to the girls one and I went to the boys one. Hmm. And so we sort of knew each other through that. And it was yeah, she'd heard my music and liked it, and then, um, and then you know, messaged me, and that's that. That's crazy because she likes another boy was the first song I ever released on Spotify, 
and it came from that that email you know <laughs> where it came through and said oh we can release I'm like, oh i've got this song that i've just finished i'll put it out on spotify and and then had this other little spare song that i whacked as a b-side and weirdly enough that's also now kind of big um <laughs> which is bizarre for me because it was such a little like oh i'll do a little b-side if i because i think they were like oh you can do a single so you have two songs so i was like oh, i'll throw this one on wow um, yeah amazing wild. It, yeah that one email changed my whole life to be honest sure i mean once you're getting all these streams i mean to now see not you know nearly 100 million um but even just in the beginning of it really taking off like that were like is that how dirty hit came out to you or like were you like how did you know from those streams and from that experience were you getting shows around town or were you even out playing it or was it really just something you were recording and releasing it was i've always primarily been more of a recording artist than a live artist you know i try now play as live as much as possible but it's it's almost a struggle because i haven't really built up that live um sort of presence because most of what i do it exists entirely in the online world mm -hmm. um I was sort of getting live shows through mates. I had a few mates that played in a band um, and we supported them a few times. Uh, I think I was, again, super lucky in that I was part of this first wave of self-releases. So weirdly, you know, there wasn't that much in the self-release market to sort of overcrowd it. So I remember one of my, the, the songs I self-released off my first album I did called snacks got added to a Spotify playlist. And that must've literally just been somebody found the song. And uh, I sort of went on and it jumped from three K to 30 K. And I literally sort of jumped for joy. Um, I remember like jumping around my room and going, no way it's been added to a playlist. It's go, you know, this is like, now it can really go. Um, Which is yeah, huge, right? Especially lucky. for self-releasing. I mean, usually the Spotify, I mean, nowadays, right. The Spotify playlists are pretty limited to the biggest, artists on the country or whatever it may be or a newer band signed to a major label or however however it goes so to get on there i mean that's that's a massive achievement yeah it was crazy um i still don't really know how it happened i've been really thankful in my life and grateful for i think the online community in music because a lot of my success is because of them a lot of the success of my tracks has been because people have reposted them or those channels you know uh where they sort of post a song they like a day um i remember one called david dean burkhart which was very like sort of famous in the indie scene for for posting you know different songs um that he liked you know all the time and that was one that sort of sailed and it's all sort of come from reposting and i remember initially seeing these posts and being like well What's the deal with this? Do I take it down? Because they're all, you know, they're all my, it's all my songs and it's all on these people's channels. And, you know, this feels weird that they get to upload my song. But yeah, I think I knew sort of that not to disturb it really, because that's actually the best kind of marketing is that, you know, mouth to mouth over the internet um, and just spreading naturally. And that's how She Likes Another Boy and some of my Million Little Reasons track have blown up is because they were posted on these sort of, editorial youtubes wow yeah it is interesting how just like you just said spreading the word through other people that have you know somebody else might have a platform and they're like oh wow like o oscar lang song is awesome i'm gonna put it up and then other channels pull it and you're like you know maybe they upload it but still and people are gonna come back and know who you are right 
Yeah, that's the thing. I just had to remember that it's like, you know, that it, it's 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 almost free advertising. It's it's hard. To, it's it's advertising for the channel and it's advertising for the artists. I mean, I think it's mutually beneficial. I don't know why anyone would, you know, go after taking people down for that. Um, but I, it was really amazing to see. I think there was a million little reasons with Spanish subtitles video that I had no idea existed. And then went on one day and saw that it had 6 million views. And there was like 10,000 YouTube comments all in Spanish. Devastating because I love to read the comments. I love to like, I don't see what people are saying and I couldn't read a single one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, amazing uh, that that can happen. Wow. And then from like those experiences, like I know you, you've gotten on like BBC one, which is massive and all those things like, did those come while you're still independent artists or like, and when did you decide to do the name change? Uh, no, those came, those came with like, that's kind of the stuff that really comes with label. You know, mm -hmm. that's why you sort of take it to a label because you kind of want to go, Oh, I want to be more serious with this now. You know, um, I want to be on radio and, and stuff like that. Um, then the name change came, it was involuntary. I didn't want to change my name. I still missed that name quite a lot. But unfortunately, there was another pig out there and he had been kicking about since like the 90s. And uh, so, you know, we, we had to we had to give up the name. Annoyingly, I think it was literally the day after I signed my record contract was when we got the message from them saying uh, we've got to change it. So probably yeah. right. They just get this alert like, oh, this person signed yeah. this label now like i that you could pay me for the name or like you're, you know, yeah i think down. they realized that like <laughs> it was starting to become a little bit bigger and it was uh, you know getting in the way and i mean i don't know what the rules are with that i don't know if we could have taken the name or not because who owns the name pig um, right exactly that's but, what i was thinking yeah but i mean to be to be fair uh, we didn't i didn't particularly mind because there's weirdly a lot of pigs out there there's a band called pigs time seven um pigs 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 and there's uh big pig and, and there's a big lot destroyer, of destroyer i think is another band yeah 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 so there's <laughs> a lot of stuff out there so i thought i'd go with my name and you know solid choice me. yeah um what was it like signing then to to a, a label a big accomplishment i would think yeah it was like it was sort of surreal it all kind of happened so fast um, I had worked with B on her EP patched up and then she had told me she was like sort of oh I think they're thinking of signing you and and you know sort of all sort of happened so fast and suddenly I was signed and a record you know a recording artist I think it's been amazing I, I'm very fortunate that my label it, it's an independent label and they allow me to do whatever I want as long as I hand in the music at the end of the day you know which is I feel very fortunate to have that relationship because a lot of labels aren't like that and like to stick their hands in it and, you know, control the music and dirty hit sort of go, as long as you pr produce these songs at the end of the day, you know, we'll support you and, you know, give me, give me money to make cool things happen, which is great. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, the people on that label are, you know, you have the 1975, you know, it's so many incredible artists that you share that label with, which I'm yeah. I mean, it, it still surprises me. Uh, like, they just keep signing really great acts. And, <laughs> and, I, and I can't believe that, like, I'm part of this roster of really, really fantastic artists. Um, so with the, the album you just released, what, two months ago, I believe? Just a few months mm -hmm. ago. Um, tell me about that album and, and writing it and, and 
I think there's kind of a, you know, pretty heavy storyline behind it, correct? Yeah, I mean, this album was kind of a necess- uh, necessity for me to, to, to write. I, I had finished my last album and was kind of unhappy about it. Um, I had done three EPs and an album mm-hmm. in one year. And by the time the album came around, I sort of didn't even know what mu- like noise sounded like anymore. I'm still really incredibly proud of those songs. But, you know, I just got to the end and felt like I could do more. Um, and so wow. you did all those this. in one. When, was that during like the COVID thing? The that, COVID was, that, that was okay. 2020. So I did. Yeah. Did you How just have a lot songs? of time to write or inspired? I mean, that's a lot of music. It was a lot of music. Yeah. I mean, it was like, what else are we going to do? It was kind of it was hard because I had just signed this record deal and released an EP and was ready to play shows. Mm-hmm. um and that was you know my final thing yeah i got a label and i'm now we're gonna go play loads of shows and we did a tour and it was exciting and then boom you know no live scene for two years so it was like the only thing i can really do is record music so that's why i did so much of it but um you know when you do that much and you have the year like that you just sort of i don't know by the time i got to the end of it i was like i know i can do something better mm-hmm. um and so started writing this album and it started in a very weird disco space. And I think I kind of needed to go through some sort of, you know, thing. And I went through, I, I, I went through a breakup and it was a breakup of like sort of childhood love. And, you know, the, the, my first relationship and been together for three and a half years. And it was the only thing I'd known. And that broke, you know, I, we broke up and I was sort of plunged into, I don't know, just, I didn't know what was going on um and so every time i felt incredibly low i gravitated towards making this album and uh, making this album was hugely therapeutic for me i mean we like i think some people have slightly misread it as a breakup album um which it's not it's got breakup songs but really it's i think it's an album about uh growing up and i think uh, something like that really matures you and there's lots of themes you know things i've I've dealt with uh, on this album talking about my mum who I lost it when I was seven um, and just kind of coming to terms with being an adult. Well, that must have been a, I mean, obviously a really difficult song to write the one uh, about, Mm -hmm. about your mom. Um, Was this the first time you tried to take on that subject? No, it wasn't. I've tried to write, I've written multiple songs about my mom over the years. Um, and none of them seem right. I don't know. I just, I've never been a fan of, of a pity or, or, you know, I hated in school when I told people my mom died and then they'd go like, oh, so sorry. Like, you know, and like, or if somebody made like a yo mama joke and then they'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, and get all like awkward about it. And I think I always kind of disliked that pity. So in the songs I tried to write, I didn't want to write, they want to write some song that was all like, I miss my mom, you know, and just really like a lot of the songs I was writing, I was like, yeah, I just want a hug or this, like that. And these songs that were very personal. Um, and then I kind of what I just came up with this idea of, you know, talking about it from the angle of religion, which my mom, my mom's family was hugely religious and, uh, you know, talking about how I, I don't believe in God, but, I wish there was one because that means we all get to go see our, you know, dead pets, dead relatives at the end of our life. And we get to have a big happy time in the sky. 
um, which sounds great to me. Uh, but yeah, so it's kind of, it's all about, I thought it was just an interesting angle to come at it from. And I think it's one that people can relate to and, and anybody that's lost someone, you know, feels that and you sort of hold out on a God just so that you can see that person there. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, well, there's kind of probably two ways to think about it in the sense of like, I, I love what you did with the song and, and the idea behind it. It's like you could lose somebody. And then if you have, if you're deeply religious, you could either be like, Oh, well, you know, there isn't a God of you who take you take my mom or whatever, or, you know, it's okay because I'm going to see them, but to not, and you went through Catholic school. It sounds like, so like you probably have this sense of it all. And then it's like, but it's still like, I hope this is the case. Right. I mean, I mean, it was just sort of, it was, it was weird because you're just getting so many conflicting opinions. Um, and I went to Catholic school all my life and sort of in my heart, didn't really believe a lot of it. But at the same time, you've got your mum's family telling you, you're going to see your mum again and, and all of this stuff. So yeah, hugely conflicted. And I, they also, you know, when you go to Catholic school, you sit in a lot of masses and I spent a lot of time <laughs> I <grew up> thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you spend a lot of time thinking because you're just so bored of, you know, what's what's happening on <laughs> up there. So I think, you know, I spent so much time thinking about that. Uh, and I'm so glad that I managed to get it down in a song. That's amazing. And when you wrote that, did you know, like, okay, this is this is the one I'm going to release is, you know, kind of for her, or you know, about her, so to speak. Like, was that finally the one that you had written? You're like, okay, this is the one I'm going to put out. Because it sounds like you had done that before but you just didn't do anything with it. yeah i think there was just a feeling that it was like okay this is right and this is the, the right tone to it i you know anything i just sort of would cringe um thinking that people would be like oh it's too soppy and whatever so it just felt right i don't know there was a deeper gut feeling that's something i've learned to try and trust a lot more is this deeper intuition gut feeling with the new album, you've put out a, a handful of music videos. And from what I was reading, I believe, you, didn't you direct, did you direct the last one you did? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What was that like kind of stepping into that role? Oh, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I've wanted to direct music videos for so long. I think part of the, the way I listen to music and have always listened to music, a lot of the times I'm listening to a song and I'll visualize an entire music video in my mind. I don't know if anybody else does this, but sometimes you imagine yourself in a music video or you imagine some idea of a music video. And I'm just constantly, you know, uh, seeing these music videos and I never really quite had the confidence to, you know, direct my own one. But for this album, I saw this music video so clearly in my head that I sort of went, I'm, I'm tired of trying to explain it to other people. I'm just actually going to, you know, direct it myself. So it was an incredible, uh, yeah, incredible process to be a part of. And I'm really thankful as well to the team that helped me because obviously I was a first time director, so I didn't know everything. Um, yeah. And every, you know, the crew were really, really, really helpful and, and guided me through the process. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to do, do uh, to do more of it. I'm really excited about it. Did you have like the, when you wrote the song, did you, you said you kind of have the video in, in mind when you write, I don't know if it's all your songs, but some of them, did you, did, were you able to put that, like, was this one of those situations and were you able to put that to life? Like, were you thinking about yeah. the video beforehand? If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, think, I think all of the music videos for this album, I had visualized before uh, 
before you know we had filmed them and and one that was amazing was we did a music video for the lead single called song about me which i envisioned exactly that in my mind when i was listening to the song if you watch the music video i had seen exactly that it was the platforms and it was like an old 70s thing um and it was just surreal to watch it back and and, and actually just arrive at on the, the set on the day and and see something that i had seen in my head really and on a large huge scale set and, and it's real and tangible it was it was very surreal but i think most of the the music video process for me comes after the songs are finished and it's that process of you know i sat on this album for six months and mixed it and mastered it and listened to it so many times and it's in that process that uh, i start to see you know videos Oh wow! Was is that something you usually do, or is this new to not the v- music videos, obviously, but like taking that much time with with the album or with oh we project? took we took a lot longer. It was very new for me to take a long time working on a project because you know, as I said, we did three EPs album one year, right. which is insane. Yeah. Um, uh, so I was very used to sort of going boom, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing, um, and this was a slow process. I think we wrote 50 or 60 songs and whittled them down to 10 um, because I just wanted them to be, you know, the greatest, uh, the, the best ones we had written out of that 60. Um, and that's what I missed from my previous album is that for that album, we wrote every song and every song made it onto the album. It was like, we write a song, goes on the album, write a song, goes on the album. This was, let's write all these songs and then decide. Interesting. So you have 50 songs that are, just kind of hanging out on a hard drive or something. Yeah, yeah. But I think everyone, a lot of people that are musicians and, and producers, a lot of them will say that 90% of the stuff they make never sees the light of day. So, um, yeah, I've, I'd say 98% of what I make <laughs> never sees the light of day. This is a small fragment of what I make. Sure. Wow. So that must be a pretty difficult process, though, to sit down and listen and, you know, weed out that many and be like, okay, this this is going to you know, these 10 are going to make the album. And then it's, I, cause I came from radio and I did radio for a lot of years and programmed radio stations. So I, I love the process of just putting the songs in order. Right. I'm sure that takes oh, yeah. a lot. That's like one of my, I would, I would think that would be a, a kind of a cool experiment process. Like how are these songs going to go each other? What's how, how are we going to tell the story? What's the through line? Yeah, it's all, it's all part of the process. I think, one thing you have to be very careful of is not exhausting your ears. And I've done that in the past. You can listen to a song so many times where you just don't know what it sounds like anymore. It's just completely lost all like, you know, it's just noise when it it reaches a certain point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that process is just it's super long. I think that the, the hardest thing was definitely whittling down the songs. I think the initial cut we did from 60 was, I cut from sort of 50 or 60 down to 15 and then slowly they dropped one by one. As I went, I don't think this is the best it can be, you know, I don't think this is, you know, so we've still got all of these songs that I don't know uh, if I'll ever do anything with them one day, but uh, you know, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> awesome. And you just did a, I mean, speaking of live shows earlier, you just did a big headlining tour. Mm-hmm. What was that it was, like? yeah, it was really fun because again, I've become kind of disconnected with doing live stuff. We, we, we get to do it so rarely and I love doing it so much that, um, 
uh, you know, it had been a while since we played shows and we've got a whole new setup and I'm playing piano, which I love doing. And I've never done that before on stage. And it really made me fall back in love with it. And I had sort of forgotten about that. And I love doing it so, so, so much. And whether it was, you know, 30 people in Manchester or like a thousand at Green Man Festival, both both of those situations, I just absolutely love doing it. So um, we're hoping to do as much as possible because it's my favorite thing to do in the world. Amazing. And uh, the amount that you write, I mean, do you, do you, are you constantly doing it? Like, do you probably have 60 more songs that you're tinkering with right now? Or did you kind of put a, a pause on that with the tour and trying to pick through the record and all of that? I think it's like, I, I kind of write when... I, I I think I'm figuring that out at the minute because I do a lot of writing in periods of heightened emotional states. Um, and so, you know, I did, uh, I, I do a lot of writing when I'm really sad and I do a lot of writing when I'm really happy. And so, you know, doing writing when I just feel normal is quite <laughs> hard sometimes. Um, so I just have to accept that, you know, these things come in ebb and flows and waves and there's been months where I feel like I'm on fire and I'm just making so much cool stuff and I, I just feel great. And then there's months where I, I'm not making anything and everything. Every time I touch my piano, my fingers to a piano, I just can't get anything good. So I just accept that it's going to come in waves. And I just have to remember that every time I'm in a wave, that somebody else out there is having a bad wave. And that means that every time I'm in a bad wave, somebody else out there is having a good one. Um, and, you know, chance that it's going to come back around. So at the minute I'm in a little lull, um, but we're gearing up to start recording the next stuff. So I'm very excited to get back in the studio because I miss it so much. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Oscar, for doing this. Uh, I have one more quick question for you before I let you go. Um, I want to know, well, you kind of just gave some great advice, but I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I do. I think it took a long time for me to really trust my gut instinct. Um, and there's something, an indescribable feeling that you know what's right sometimes. Um, and to trust that so much because, uh, you know, with before this album, I went into the label and laid out every single music video and every plan and what every single single was going to be and what the album cover was going to look like because I didn't want a chance that anybody else, you know, could put their fingers into it because I knew exactly what I wanted. And that's what I'm saying is that don't be afraid to be a bit of a diva sometimes um, because there's nothing, you know, you just know in your gut what's right. 